Hello, welcome to part two of the January uh, Luton Town Supporters Trust podcast. Kev and James uh, back for part two. Tony will be with us again, hopefully next month. Uh, if you've missed part one, well, go and listen to it because you can hear us wax lyrical about Saturday's win over Bournemouth. And why wouldn't you want to hear that? Because it was fantastic. Um, but we've done all of the past in part one. Part two, we are going to look at the present and the future, as we usually do. We're going to discuss, well, I'm, I don't know if it meant to be a Christmas present, but if it was, it was a week later. But uh, Nathan's contract, which was announced on New Year's Day. I don't know, maybe that was because there was no football that day. Uh, the return of McCarford, which is something that we've all loved seeing. Alan Sheehan's comeback. We'll discuss that. Have a little look at transfers. Uh, we are deep into transfer window with 11 days left at the time of recording. We'll have a look at the upcoming matches, of which there are many. And then we'll discuss a little bit of a shambles with regards to the planning application at Newlands Park. And I'm sure James has got plenty to say on that one. But hold fire, James, because we'll do that one at the end. Because we need to celebrate again, don't we? Because managers don't sign five-year deals, but our one does. Five and a half years deals, actually. Our one does. I'm not going to ask you if it was deserved, because of course it was deserved. Um, But it just shows exactly where we are as a club right now and exactly where we are hopefully going to go under Nathan, not just into power court, but he has full ambitions to take us much further than the championship. Yeah, it was, like you said, it was a wonderful uh, little New Year's way, way to start 2022, really, wasn't it? Um, it's What it shows is uh, stability and uh, a plan progression all, all these things that we you know spoke about in part one of the podcast that you need to contribute to having this great feel-good factor around the club and you know they may they could draw or lose against Sheffield United and results you know they're fairly transient aren't they but ultimately the the club's only going in one direction and it's not fanciful for Nathan or Gary Sweet to say that the goal is the Premier League. And that is almost an astonishing sentence to say, actually. Now I heard myself say it out loud. And it's not because I think I'm being ridiculous or anybody should um, think that they are being ridiculous. It just feels like that is now a possibility. And whether that happens this season, next season, you know, a season after they move into power court, whenever it happens, it feels like that could happen because, you know, you, you, you're owned and run by uh, some Luton Town supporters that set out when they take over the club that they were going to be in the championship in 2020 and they got there a year earlier. So why won't they be in the Premier League if they say that's what now where they plan to end up? Why wouldn't they? That just seems like, you know, they've planned for that last thing. They've reached that goal. This is the next goal. Well, that's going to happen then, isn't it? And it's amazing. That is amazing considering where the Luton have come from. It really is. And it, um, and, and Jones being back. And the magic he sprinkled in that first nine-game spell for the Great Escape, the progression last season, 
it's looking like they're going to progress from that as well. And even if that is only a point better than last season, it does carry on that progression. You know, even if every season they finish a, a, a place higher in the championship, very soon they'll be in the playoffs. And then who knows? And then maybe if they don't make it up the playoffs because Lutonists are rubbish in the playoffs, maybe they go up automatically at some point. Who knows? But the possibilities are there. And that's what you want. You want those possibilities and you want that sense of optimism. Um, and, it, you know, on, on the pitch, it all stems from Nathan. Uh, off the pitch, it all stems from Gary Sweet and the board. And, um, you know, to have signed him for a five and a half year deal doesn't feel excessive, does it? It just feels like, well, that Nathan fits Luton, Luton fits Nathan. It was the shrewdest move ever to bring him back and it's paying off. And that's the that's the reward for, for the work that's happening. Shrewdest and bravest move mm. ever to bring him back. But this doesn't feel like a brave move, giving him five and a half years. It means he is going to be the man to take us into power court because even if, as Gary Sweet alluded to, um, they don't meet their exact target with power court, they are going to get, get there within the next five and a half years. So it means Nathan's the man to take us in there. And that just feels right. He's a man to take us to the brace. He's a man to take us to power court. It just feels, it just feels that like that's made somewhere, doesn't it? Yeah, so so much of it does. It, it just, you know, it, it's kind of fanciful to say written in the stars, but they've they've planned this. They've set the targets and they they hit them every time, and that's not necessarily the most the, the, the most the sexiest thing to talk about in football, is it? Uh, but stability is what everybody wanted you know 13, 14, 15 years ago um, through the three administrations the club's been in to, you know the to going up and down the league the yo-yos up and down the league to eventually going out of the football league and five years in the doldrums if somebody offered you this sort of stability not only stability actually but progress you the old football cliche, I mean, you'd snap their hand off, bite their hand off. Um, and it, it's happening. It's happening right now <laughs> before our eyes. And these little things are just the steps towards it. So, yeah, um, it, it does feel right that he's, he's going to be there. And, um, you know, if he does take Luton into the Premier League, he's already said he's got that ambition to beat David Pleat's um, appearance record as manager. That's 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 possibly achievable now. And then yeah, that's that's a place in history, isn't it? Really, it absolutely is. I mean, he's a, he's, a, he's going to be close to that anyway, isn't he? He's got us out of League Two, and obviously, if he's managed to take us into the Premier League for the first time, that will go down in uh, in history. I mean. He keeps on talking about progress, doesn't he? And absolutely right to do that because every season he's been our manager at the end of that season, we've progressed. And um, sometimes, I mean, it's, it's progression measured in results, isn't it? But I think this season, and I'm not saying for one minute that we're not going to finish higher or get a better points tally or things like that, but sometimes progression could be what you see with your own eyes. And this team, this squad, it seems infinitely better with my own eyes from last year. Maybe last year's a little bit of an anomaly because there was no fans and they had to get everything up. So let's go back 
to two years. But this is the best team that I can remember as a squad Luton ever having. Maybe we've had better 1-11s before. Obviously, the David Pleat side, um, the cup winning side in 88, the 1-11. But they tended to only really have 12, 13, 14, 15, 16 at a push. This lot have got 25. And mm-hmm. if you picked 11 out of them, you're not and then you picked a different 11 out of them, you're not weakening the other 11 with the first 11. And it, it's that kind of progression that interests me. And I saw a stat today from um, Luton Analytics on Twitter. In 24 games this season, we scored as many goals from open play as we did in the whole of last season. And we've got 22 games to build on that. Now that, for me, is progression. Oh, yeah. Yeah, no, big time it is. Um, yeah, the progression thing is... Um, it's funny, isn't it? Because I genuinely thought with the amount of signings that were made in the summer that this would be a transitional season. And I'd have been happy with mid-table, you know, because they were talking about progression as always finishing higher. And I would have still seen it as progression to get all these players in, get them to gel, maybe finish mid-table, whether that was a couple of places lower or whatever. That would have been okay for me. It seems that they're going to do better than that. At at this present moment in time, it seems they're going to do better than that. And considering, as I've just said, the players that they've bought and had to get them up to speed, stats like that that you've mentioned, um, and the feel-good moments we talked about in part one and the off-field stuff, the contracts and things, um, yeah, progression is, it, it's, they're well on course for it, if not to smash what they did last season. Um, and, you know, that's what you want. They're now, they're now a competitive, comfortably, comfortably a competitive championship side. And when, you know, the game like, the game against Bournemouth was on the telly at lunchtime. And one of the comments from the commentator afterwards was Luton are now showing they can mix it with the big boys in the championship. But that's high praise, really, because they are and they are doing it. And we're doing it, as we all know, we're doing it with a hundredth of the budget of some of these other sides. And um, that's, um, that's only credit to Nathan. And, you know, five more years of Nathan Jones at the end of this season, another five more years. Who knows where he's going to take us, but I sure as hell can't wait to enjoy the ride. And uh, well, his hamstrings might not last those five years, but I mean, I'm <laughs> sure the rest of us uh, are going to last it. Uh, that, Harrog- that Harrogate game, James, it, we're not going to remember that uh, in 10 years' time. But there is one moment that it was memorable for, and Mick Harford coming out mm. of the tunnel. He's back. He's um, had his initial stage of treatment. I mean, this guy, the word legend is way overused in all of sport. But it's not overused here. This guy is an absolute legend. And the reception that he got that afternoon was fitting of everything that he's done for the club, but everything he's gone through and just how much we love him. And it's so great to have him back. Even last night, every time he came out to um, give a bit of advice or uh, whatever to either Nathan on the touchline or to one or two of the players, every time he came out, one Mickey Arford, there's only one Mickey Arford, and then he'd clap the fans and then they'd clap back. That mutual appreciation is just incredible for, for a guy who is incredible himself. Yeah, I mean, what more can you say about Mick Arford, really? He's, uh, 
yeah, he he is the Luton legend, isn't he? Um, you know, if, if they're going to start, if they if they're minded ever to put some statues outside Power Court, he's the first one, isn't he? He's 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 got to be the first one. Um, yeah, he's you know he's a top bloke as well, <laughs> and that's what another thing that endears him to he 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 played football with a a hardness but an honesty which obviously people appreciated scored loads of goals which always helps even scored him for Luton when he was not in playing for Luton so um uh, and you know he's done everything at the club manager assistant manager coach recruitment head of recruitment back now doing a, still a bit of that but the assistant manager and obviously his, his influence there, along with like Paul Hart, I think is is hugely influential for Nathan Jones, who is seemingly a far better manager than when he left. And that's probably his experiences when he was away. <clears throat> but, um, you know, those things are all football, really. And what Mick's gone through is far more important, really. Uh, and so that emotion, I think, is uh, the, the the human connection stuff rather than football, because he's always had that around football and around what he's done as a player and the uh, various roles he had in the, in the back room for Luton. But um, it, when those things when those things happen. Uh, when it when it was announced in uh, July, and then he went away in August for his twelve weeks radiotherapy, um, it really hits home. And I thought it was just a game, really, doesn't it? And um, for the people that you uh, you know really like and respect, and you know you know probably for most Luton fans even love uh, that emotion comes out in a in a situation when you've you've been diagnosed with prostate cancer which is horrible it's a horrible horrible all cancer all illnesses like that are horrible things and um it's it's wonderful that there are these treatments out there now um and hopefully um, they work and, and they can live a long and healthy life because you know apart from football you just want him to have that don't you really for him and his him and his family just the th- he's still got a three year course of medication to take um, so it's going to be a, a long road but what he what he did when he announced it and what the club did when he announced it was a magnificent thing for for men in this instance with men and prostate cancer uh to go and get checked, you know, in, in December, I turned 40. And so I'm now in the bracket where that's, that's, uh, the, the, the stakes are higher. Uh, and so if it does anything, you know, for people like me and people that are older to just go and get checked, then he's done a wonderful thing. Um, because he's helping raise awareness to save lives. And that is, um, that's everything, really, isn't it? That's more than football, and it, it it's a uh, <clears throat> yeah. Just when you think you can't have any more respect for somebody, 
then you get it from stuff like that. And so to have him back uh, was magnificent. You know, we, we I say the, the press, we in the press spoke to him before that Harrogate game and just to have a chat with him was, was fantastic. Um, and, uh, you know, long may that continue. So, yeah, wonderful, wonderful scenes. And, um, yeah, it's, it's just great to have people singing his name and him to, have, to be waving back this time because you and all the fans did a wonderful job when he wasn't there and he, he heard it and he felt it. So, um, yeah, wonderful stuff. Yep, he absolutely hates the adulation, which only makes people love him more. And you'll keep on getting adulation, Mick, because you're a special human being and we are delighted to have you back. It's probably a good time to remind everyone that uh, the Trust Supporters Charity of the Year this year is Bedfordshire Prostate Cancer Support Group. We'll continue to raise funds uh, throughout the remainder of this season with the events that we do. Uh, keep an eye on our website and everything for details of that. And you can actually see a link to donate to that charity should you wish to on our website. Uh, Mick's not the only one who's back, James. There was no doubt in my mind ever that we'd seen the last of Alan Sheehan. I said it at the time. I thought he might actually have been a sleeper for the job when Nathan left. But he's back now as joint first team coach, part first team coach, level with Chris Cohen, first team coach, whatever uh, the, the title is. And he, it's great to have Sheets back because he's another top bloke. We loved him when he was here as a player. He kind of, or he, he had that manager kind of persona about him, didn't he? And when he was captain and he'll go on to be a manager and a great one at that. So it's very good that we get first use of his services. Yeah, it's a really in, interesting signing because um, obviously we know we know a lot about him as a player and as, as a person. So he fits that that mould that Luton look for uh, anyway in in personnel, which is you know to be a good character and uh, and have a bit about him on that front. What we don't really know much about is his is his coaching stuff, but we do know that you know he. Um, has wanted to go into it for some time. He got his A and B license while he was still at the club and he'd up with the academy. So um, I think that's probably why everybody thought that, um, you know, in a roundabout way, he, he'll be back. But also because, you know, Adrian Forbes has come back and, and Paul Benson's come back and uh, Anna McCormack's come back and it, it, there's that tie. And I'm really fascinated by the whole uh, scenario. And I've asked it a couple of times in press conferences about... Um, having this lineage, this almost um, 1970s and 80s Liverpool boot room scenario where players ingrained in Luton Town are um, trained up in the the coaching uh, side of things as well once they leave. And there's this tremendous through line of characters that people can um, still associate themselves with. If you look, for example, that club down the road who changed their manager every five minutes, you don't have that, do you? I don't know what their backroom staff is. They've probably got someone there that has been knocking around for ages. I don't know, but don't pay too much attention to them. But if you're talking about shrewd moves, which we have already, I think that is is one and it's a good way. And when it comes to Alan Sheehan, like you, I always thought he was nailed on for coaching afterwards and potentially coming back. You never know how long that would be, really. Um, uh, he, he's got away for, what, two years and been a player coach and come back. So they see something in him. Um, but 
you know, he was club captain, wasn't he? And he didn't play a hell of a lot of games because uh, he got injured. And then Matty Pearson, Sonny Bradley came in and was so fantastic as a partnership in that League One side. But all we'd ever hear about was the way that he galvanised the dressing room. <laughs> you know, particularly when Nathan left, he helped galvanise the dressing room. And he was always there, you know, front and centre and supporting uh, the players, even though he, he probably didn't really have a sniff of playing at that point. You know, he was, he was getting on and the two players ahead of him were so good. Um, and then when Luton won League One title, obviously <clears throat> he's up there helping lift the trophies. He, he's a massive part of that dressing room. Um, so, yeah, it's brilliant to see him back, really. And um, he's having a good effect so far, aren't he? Because they've won two, three games on the truck. So <clears throat> that can't be bad. Um, but yeah, he's a great character as well. Everybody you know, knows all about his one-liners and in interviews and stuff. But he's just a, just a genuine, genuine bloke. So um, yeah, it's good to see him back. Absolutely. He's absolute top guy. Loved Cheese to Bits. Loved him as a player. Going to be a brilliant coach. I've absolutely no doubt about that. And he will manage some decent clubs. I'm sure of that. Brilliant move. So absolutely delighted that she's is back. And maybe between now and the end of the season, I'll see if we can get him on the podcast and uh, get a chat with him. Um, January, James, not my favourite month of the year, I have to say, because every time you go on social media, there's a bullshit rumour after a bullshit rumour. <laughs> um, you know, we've already had the Adebayo to Newcastle nonsense, haven't we? We've... Christian Walton here, there and everywhere. Thank God he signed for someone else. So I don't have to read that rumour ever again. But it's been quite quiet first 20 days, really. Um, Dion Pereira's gone to Bradford. I think that's a good move. Really yeah. like him as a player. Absolutely certain that there's a Luton player in him um, once he's gone and got a little bit of uh, time away and some men's games under his belt. And we've pulled Peter Kioso back. He played against Reading. Uh, Shazu is very complimentary of uh, his performance in the first game. I think there's a lot more to come from him uh, once and if he proves uh, himself to Nathan and wins his trust over. Uh, awful lot of rumours that we're going to sign Elliot Anderson from Newcastle, but those rumours have been probably 12 months or more and we still haven't seen sight nor sound of the guy. But really and truly, they're in a great deal that we need, I wouldn't have thought. That's the thing for me. I mean, I, I absolutely loathe the transfer window. It's just fucking nonsense most of the time. And after time, um, the club do their business, you know, right in the background. So, you know, you, you, most of the time you're nowhere near um, who they bring in. You know, who would have thought Elijah Adebayo? No one. So there's always rumours, but, um, you know, there's there's – there's two sides of it for me. You know, as a journalist, I'd like to know, but they keep the cards close to their chest. And that doesn't happen. So that's a bit frustrating. But on the other side of it, it's impressive that they are able to do that business in relatively relative secrecy. And they need to because, you know, as, as is always alluded to, the budgets uh, don't allow them to go into bidding wars or anyone or pay over the odds for people. So they have to A have that recruitment and then do their business in um a fairly quiet manner so nobody gets alerted to it. 
but you lose count the amount of times that other clubs compliment Luton on the way they do business really so it you know who cares if if I don't hear about it as a journo you know it, it was worth more than it's worth more to the club that they have that reputation uh, and they're able to do good business which they do so you know when January comes around I just sort of go well we'll see really and it's uh, it's an unusual stance for somebody that writes about the club but <laughs> it, um I just don't. I don't see. I don't see where they need anyone. They needed someone at right, but they brought Peter Chiesa back. So they've got two great goalies. <clears throat> they've got four fantastic centre backs. They've got cover at full back now. We've spoken uh, at length about Jordan Clark in the middle of the pitch. Gay Bosho hasn't had that many games, but uh, when he has, I've been impressed. Uh, I know everybody says, oh, we need some more strikers, but they're the ones that customise. You've got Elijah scoring loads of goals. He won't go anywhere. He really won't. If if somebody wants him and he does go, and you can't say never, never, but he's going to make Luna absolute ton of money when he if and when he goes. But I think he's probably got his head screwed on to know that he's still got some progression and learning to do and Luton's going to be the best place. So his time will come. Um, it'd be nice if, if uh, Luton are ever in a position where they can just, uh, you know, bat off anything that comes their way regards him and, and he can lead Luton uh, like, like Nathan into the Premier League perhaps. But um, if not, enjoy it while he's here. But he'll be here for the rest of the season, I would have thought. Um, yeah, I would too. I mean, it's it's a it's a buyer's market, isn't it? Um, January, and mm. you have. I like to say, if he goes, the money we get up for JJ, that's blown out of the water. You know, oh, you're yeah. looking you're looking at eight figures minimum if he goes. If he goes tomorrow, he's worth ten million quid without even blinking. I think he's. I think he's putting more on every time. Really, I think probably before Christmas, he was worth ten million. You know, now at 15, I reckon. Listen, if Chris Wood is going for £20 million from Burnley to Newcastle, then I know that Chris Wood has scored goals in the Premier League, but he's a, he's a, um, he's not, he's not in Elijah's league in the, in the fullness of two careers when you look at the end of it, Elijah would have done better, I think. Um, yeah, but I don't, I don't, I don't see him going. Um, at all and I think that's probably why it's been so quiet um, yeah the Elliot Anderson rumours are there and he looks a decent player but if he doesn't come then you say what <laughs> really uh, we do tend to come out of windows stronger than we go into them though don't we that's a that's a trait of the club that's what they do they, they do use the month wisely so it will be mm-hmm. interesting to see what happens, even if it's only one, even if it is only Elliot Anderson and he, and he does strengthen us, you do get mm. the feeling we will come out stronger than what we went in with. It, we've done it ever since we've been in the championship. I mean, you look at last January, we come out amazingly stronger than we went into it. Obviously with Cal, Elijah, not expecting anything of that sort this January. I'd love it if there is. Um, but we do come out stronger than what we go into it and that's that's because of the wonderful recruitment team 
in the background. Yeah, uh, but you've also got um, players now that are potentially knocking on the door from the development squad as well that they've signed. So, um, you know, Elliot Thorpe, I've heard good reviews of what he's been like. He seems a very confident lad. So um, the fact that there's that pathway as well. And he's obviously been signed from Spurs and he, don't, he won't want to hang around the development side for too long. Um, it, it, you know, it's up to him to show that he can he can do it. But um, I don't think it'd be too long before you see him in around the match day squad at the very least. Um, so there's that as well. Uh, and, and that ultimately is where Luton really are probably going to earn their corn is to develop the players and bring them through which is what everybody would want to see. Ideally, you want to see homegrown players, but if you can take a talent from Tottenham and turn him into something good, then then uh, that's that's exactly what Luton need to be doing. Um, and it's, it's what they're trying to do, obviously, with the, um, the academy situation, which we spoke about many times in previous podcasts and how it's so vital that they get that, uh, the, the facilities they need to have a Category 2 academy um because uh that that will stand them in in good stead for the future and, and trying to be more on an even kill with other uh, other clubs so there's that aspect of it as well um and it and when you think of it like that i know people like they people have been duped into the transfer window by sky and transfer deadline day and that sort of shite but <laughs> really if you look at it uh, objectively, I'd, I'd much rather the club spent money in those areas, you know, improving it because it's more long term, and so you don't see the results immediately. But it's better for the club for them to do that, I think. Um, and so I'd rather see them do that uh, and spend it on academy and improving things uh, there. Because at the end of the day, it's all it's all this progression stuff that we talked about a little bit earlier. Um, you know, the, the progression of the pitch will be moved to power court, but it will also be develop the um, academy and 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 have that as the envy of uh, many many teams in football league because it's what Luton did in the past. It's what they need to get back to. Um, so, uh, yeah, I, I, I'm quite happy with with a quiet January. To be honest, I know everyone has a joke about the final day, Colin Samuel style transfer, but. Yeah, I'd much rather it was really quiet. And, um, uh, you know, Luton are, are, are looking up anyway. So I don't, I don't think there are too many places they need to strengthen. One reason why it might be fairly quiet is the excessive amount of games that we've got coming up. So let's have a look at the next month or so, beginning on Saturday at Sheffield United. Um, normally at this point, I say, well, former Premier League club, you know, we might have to fear them, blah, 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 but we've just drawn with Fulham, just beat Bournemouth, so clearly we don't have to fear them. But it is a tough game, nevertheless. Going to be 20, 25,000 there or whatever it'll be. Great stadium, old-school stadium. And it'll be interesting to see how we rise to the occasion again. Yeah, that'd be the that'd be the one thing, um, because the two great performances have come against Fulham and Bournemouth, they've been at home in, in Luton's hostile atmosphere. It's how they um, cope in somewhere like uh, Sheffield United, uh, but none. No, after that, after this little run, this five-game unbeaten streak, 
regardless of who you were playing, you'd, you'd say it's a five-game game unbeaten streak and you're in confidence. But the way they've played so well against Fulham and Bournemouth, um, you've got to go into it confidence, thinking you can get something there. Um, and, and I think they will. Um, you know, they're, they're right next to each other in the table, aren't they? Doing just above on goal difference. So there's nothing to fear in that regard. They're a team essentially rebuilding, aren't they? From what's happened last year. And <clears throat> so there's that aspect. Um, uh, yeah, I think uh, I think there's a win there. It'll be interesting to see if the goalkeepers recovered from the cramp they had at Kenilworth Road, wouldn't it? There. <laughs> yeah. That was pretty embarrassing, to say the least. Um, after Sheffield United, rearranged game against Bristol. Been a bit of controversy about that today, haven't they? The EFL have changed the referee because Pearson got into trouble for slagging him off the last time he refereed them. So now they've changed it and we're going to have a new referee to be announced. Mm, yeah. That's not exactly ideal. That kind of suggests that we're going to have a clown in charge. But... Um, <laughs> I mean, Bristol City at home has generally been a good fixture for us in the Championship. No reason why that can't be again. Yeah, no, I think it will be. <coughs> um, isn't um, Backinson gone out on loan? Gone out today? on loan to Ipswich, yeah. Vibes yeah. very much the vibes of um, Billy Big Boy that we kind of got rid of him for, I suspect. Yeah. Um, so I don't know who they've got him to replace him, but he was the player that meant Joe Morell came, didn't he, last season? So because he, he couldn't get in past Backington, but now he's still, still Crimants and he's gone down a division. So, um, yeah, they're, um, again, I think that's there's, there's three points very, very um, up for grabs on that one. And you're right, when, uh, you know, when Bristol City have come to Kenilworth Road, it's usually been, uh, it's been favourable for Luton. So there's, there's nothing... Uh, that suggests to me that it won't be that again. No, I would definitely agree with that. Now, we, we should have beaten Fulham. We have beaten Bournemouth. The other promotion challengers are Blackburn. They come here at the end of the month. Thankfully, they come here at the end of the month without their um, leading scorer, the Chilean who was born in Stoke, Diaz, Brereton <laughs> Diaz. Uh, he's going to be on international duty, so that's a right touch. Um, that's going to be a good occasion. They're in great form. I know they lost last night against Hull, but they're in decent form. Um, but they're another one who, when they come down here, tends to be good things. Obviously, the great escape was completed against them and uh, got a draw against them last season. Probably should have won that game. Um, burgled a draw, if you like, at their place, even though we would have better side. Uh, got that 2-2 draw late on, didn't we? Generally, we're not too bad against Blackburn. I think I'm right in saying the only time they've beaten us in the championship is when the referee made that absolute horlicks of a decision at their place last season when he just you know, with the free kick and, and all of that situation. But yeah, there's no, nothing, again, there's nothing to fear. Should be a good game, but at our place, you probably, would you, would you give us a sniff? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, even with, even with uh, Barrett and Diaz being out, um, the fact that Sonny Bradley's kept Solanke quiet against Bournemouth, and I know Mitrovic always scores, it's sod all else, didn't he? Moaned a lot. He moaned a lot, like the clappers, and, and you know, potentially was offside for his goal as well. But um, it's strange with it's strange with him. Just to go slightly on a tangent, but I just 
I've, I've watched him every time Luton have played him now, so I've seen him in the flesh. And I just think he's not a very good player, but he scores a fuck ton of goals. He just seems to be in the right place, but he does nothing else. I suppose that probably is the sign of a good player if you can do nothing else but score a goal. And he's scored plenty, but yeah. Um, anyway, um, but yeah. Uh, so the fact that Brian Diaz is going to be out um, and the goals that he scored for them is a positive. But even with even if he was there, I, I'd be confident of something. Um, it'd be great, wouldn't it, to you know finish the month with uh, unbeaten? It'd be a great little run to go on. It absolutely would, yeah. Because I mean, you know, this is pretty much as tough a month as there's been both in the quality of sides that we've played and also the relentless schedule of it. And that schedule don't ease any in February, let me tell you. It starts off on the very first day of February. Uh, Swansea away, obviously, a rearranged game from uh, the midweek bit over Christmas. Restrictions have been lifted. Luton Town fans will be able to go to that game. Tickets, I understand. Uh, the sales period being announced over the weekend. Um, now, that is not a ground that we have a good record at in the Championship. No, uh, atrocious. You know, thankfully, that's all been behind closed doors, hasn't it? Both times that we've been down there in the Championship. This time there'll be fans there. Hopefully, that inspires us to a result. And if we need any motivation, well, it's only what happened in the home game, isn't it? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that was that was majorly disappointing. But it's funny, isn't it, when you're on these little runs, uh, as Luton are at the moment, with five games in the way they've been playing, uh, and I know that they've just beaten Reading, and and Reading are one place above the relegation zone. But they've not won in Reading since 1999. So why can't they go to Swansea and do something uh, with that as a you know uh, as a basis? Why can't they? Uh, you know, apart from you know, if you take the first half against Swansea at, at Canterbury Road, Luton were fantastic. Uh, and I don't know what happened in the second half, and I, I, I kind of wiped it from my memory banks, other than that it was awful. But um, you know, if they can take the game to Swansea as they did in the first half and learn from it, which is one thing you can say, they do often learn from these experiences, which is is a bonus. Then why can't they go down there and and win? Um, my only reservation against Swansea is that they. Um, They've tended to bore Luton to death, haven't they? <laughs> other than that, other than that game, which they had to come out because they were three 0 down, and I don't think that necessarily plays into Luton's hands if they don't want to play uh, play any football. But you know, we'll see. As it stands, yeah. I'm, I'm confident. Yeah, plenty of games between now and then, but they are four without a win at the time of recording this podcast. So hopefully, that run continues and we can build on that. Uh, we highlighted in the first part of the podcast that the FA Cup draw isn't overly encouraging. It's not a fantastic draw. Luton fans are only got 1,500 tickets. It's a pretty ordinary thing. It is on BBC Red Button, so maybe there'll be some money that comes from it that way. But Cambridge away uh, will revoke memories of conference times. Of course it will. But this is a game. Be ruthless. Get the job done. Get into round five. Yes, I know it's another game, but it's potentially a lucrative another game. Um, do not just don't slip up. Just don't be victims of a giant killing. Just do what we did against Harrogate. Ruthless job done. Get home. Crack on. Well, precisely, and 
you know, they've had their fun, haven't they? They've they've beaten Newcastle. <clears throat> what you could say about that, and I saw the highlights, is that the goalie had a worldie and Newcastle were not ruthless in the slightest. Whereas at the minute, Luton are. So hopefully that plays into Luton's favour. It, it, it just, I just really would like to go on a, a cup run. A quarterfinal, semi-final, that'd be amazing. Um, it is a great chance to get past um, Cambridge and get in the hat for what, the fifth round, wasn't it? So just one before the quarters and yeah. It narrows down the field, then there'll be big teams in there and um it, it becomes exciting, doesn't it? So I'm just not relishing going back to the Abbey. Been there too many times <laughs> over the seasons and I thought we'd left that behind. Uh yeah, it's just it holds no excitement or romance other than the the, the potential prize at the end of it. But um yeah, just do a do a professional job right against Harrogate, uh, get the job done and, and get yourself in that position. Yeah, it's certainly not the round four tie we missed out on last year, which hopefully we can win that game and replicate it in round five this year instead. Um, Barnsley, mm. other side we've got a little bit of recent history with, haven't we? Obviously, they followed us up in League One, battled and stayed up on the last day in the Championship two seasons ago, but we're not going uh, in the same direction this season. Uh, Incredibly, they're bottom of the table, even though Derby have had a 21 point deduction. Yeah. Um, they are going two wins in 24 games at the time of recording, 16 goals in those 24 games. I mean, heaven above, please, this has got to be a home win. Well, you would have thought so. I mean, they've they've absolutely dropped off a cliff, haven't they, from where they were last season? They've gotten playoffs, you know, and perhaps they were punching above their weight, but wow, that is that is some slide, isn't it? Um, <laughs> And like you say, to be bottom when Derby have had that many points taken off them is, is some feat. So the only thing there is it's a banana skin, isn't it? You don't want to slip up against them and be the team that they start to turn things around against. Um, uh, but, you know, hopefully um, that is the case uh, against against Luton. Um, it's at their place, isn't it? Our place, Tuesday night Our under place. the lights. Yep. Oh, well, it's, yeah, Tuesday night under the lights. Even better. Yeah. Yeah. They ain't going to fancy already, that. Already one up there, haven't we? Amari Bell's, um, Amari Bell's strike early on in that game up there, fairly early on in the season. Uh, and yeah. then the last game we'll preview on this podcast, we'll probably get time to do our next episode of the podcast in between the Birmingham and West Brom game, as there's a free midweek that week. Um, Birmingham away, no one looks forward to going to Birmingham, do they? And uh, if you remember that game, it was against Coventry, but it was still at Birmingham. I mean, Jesus Christ, you talk about four <laughs> games of football. That was absolutely chronic. But thankfully, Dan Potts scored a goal and um, made it all worthwhile. But, you know, Birmingham, they're one of these victims of Fulham, aren't they? Uh, they got done six the other night. We've definitely got a point to prove to them after mm. what happened um, down here. Pretty sure that Man United fella is either injured or not there anymore. Yeah. So um, let's uh, set the score straight, really. Well, that that's it, really. That that is the story of that game. Um, I didn't see that happening. I d- didn't see anything like that happening. But that guy, I forget his name. 
the Manchester United player was phenomenal, wasn't he? Um, yeah, it's one of those anomalies, isn't it? But um, I'd take that 5-0 all day long for what's happening now, really, if, you know, if that's the upside of it. Whereas they're in 18th, aren't they? So seven points behind Luton. They've played two games more. You know, realistically, all the teams that Luton are below Luton now, you've got to, you've got to think that they're in a good shot of winning that. So, you know, I know it's not been a particularly nice place to go to, but neither was Reading until last night, and look what happened. So, just go there and do the job. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, fans began to that one as well. Although I read somewhere they can't afford to repair half their ground or something or other. So I don't know how many tickets we're going to get, but. You know, we will be um, able to go there. So that's six league games, one cup game. There's at least four games there that I think we both think are winnable. There are a couple there that you probably take a draw, maybe Swansea, maybe Sheffield United. Uh, just keep the unbeaten run going for as long as possible. And who knows, when we reconvene, we might be right on the um, heels of the playoffs as opposed to just on the fringes of it, which we are at the moment. Uh, let's finish off this podcast with, well, I mean can only be described as a shambles, really, can't it, James? Um, plans were put in place uh, to go in front of the Development Control Committee. I'm sure they're well known to absolutely everyone through this power court, Newlands Park process. Everything was all by the vibes that I was getting, just formality to be accepted. Then came an objection from Central Bedfordshire Council. Objection was then withdrawn on the day. But councillors still wanted to read the document regardless of that and have postponed the meeting from the 5th of January to the 26th of January just to causing a delay that doesn't seem point any point to. It's beyond farcical. You know, and it's just ridiculous. In the Listen, on the grand scheme of things, and I'm going to have a moment, but on the grand scheme of things, the meeting essentially just gets bumped back until the 29th of January. So depending on when you're listening, this, this, this could have happened. And it's recommended for approval, so the likelihood is that's going to go ahead. But just the, the most pathetic bureaucracy nonsense that has led us to that situation. It was recommended for approval. It was put in front of councillors. They've known about it for a long time. This objection come in. And a paper was written up on the day, admittedly, about just detailing what the objection was, but the objection got withdrawn. So even in the meeting, the legal expert that they had said it's not relevant. I think those were his words. It's not relevant. The two planning officers who are the experts in that said also not relevant. Essentially, what we've done is provided you this paper. Yeah, it's I think it was 38 pages, but not all of it was about that about uh, that application. They've provided for transparency and clarity just to say that's what's happened. But it was it was not relevant. So they could have just discussed, and, and the legal advice was, yes, you can carry on, you can carry on with this. You could have just discussed what was in the papers they would have had for at least a week before, which was the recommendation and all the plans for Newlands Park. But they have to argue and they have to moan. Now, on the one hand, there will, people, will, pe- will be people that will say, but it's only right that they get to read it. And to a certain degree, I say, yes, 
You should be able to read these things. But read the room. <laughs> Understand the wealth, uh, the, the breadth of emotion around this development and power court. Understand that a legal expert has just told you it's not relevant. Understand that some planning experts just told you it's not relevant. And let's not forget that when these developments came out, this Newlands Park and Power Court, an overwhelming number of people were in favour of it. So much so at the time it was a UK planning record. Whether that's been broken or not, I don't know. You don't usually get people come out in favour of things. You get people come out against them. The town, Luton, the town wants these developments. We need it. Power Court at the minute is a toxic, derelict wasteland. That needs to change. It's the centre of the town. And Noons Park is going to be that um, gateway to the town. It's going to change, and we know that. There's going to be less retail and less leisure, but there's still going to be some. It's still going to be that iconic gateway. It's still going to have that effect uh, of people driving past on the M1. The idea is going to change perceptions. Now, ultimately, Luton Town of 2020 developments, they've sold the land. So while the plans are theirs, the plans that will be heard on the 29th, that they're theirs, they've sold the land and the people that have bought it will take it forward. So ultimately, the club has sold that land and it's going to benefit them as, in terms of uh, helping to afford and pay for power court. It's just, it's just the absolute patheticness of the way those councillors dealt with that meeting. And at the same time, which may, people may not have tweaked, at the same time as that was happening, the council put out on their Twitter feed an article in a newspaper about how everyone was outraged that Luton, yet again, has been voted in an anonymous poll as one of the worst towns in the UK. <laughs> and they were rallying up against it and complaining against it and i'm thinking the reason people think that are quite broad there's a myriad of reasons but one of them is if they come to luton town center they see the toxic wasteland of power court derelict uh, and they don't see anything where newlands park was and they don't see anything to attract they'll bring out the same old jokes of oh the, the best thing about luton is the airport because you can get away from it or some of it will be race, racism-based. Let's not get away from that. They see the multiculturalism that exists in this town. They don't like that. That's some of it. You can't escape that. But they're anonymous polls, and they're, they're, they're based on old ideas. The way you can change those ideas is to build the bloody stadium. And we know that it's going to happen, but let the club get on with it. Give them a plan of permission that everybody knows the deserves that has been recommended to people. And also, Newlands Park, the same. The only way that those uh, opinions are going to change is if we give people something. Now, in this uh, article, we've got my go, really, that they were, they, were, they were fighting back. I've got no problem with people fighting back against anonymous people from outside of Luton who continually vote. Luton as one of the worst towns in Luton. It's not. It's not even one of the worst towns in Bedfordshire. And we as Luton fans and me travelled around covering Luton for you know 16 years more and more. We've been to some 
absolute dives. Anyone that's been around the depths of the conference knows that Luton is not the worst town anywhere near worst town in in Luke, in, in the UK. But it will that that doesn't matter. It will it will carry on happening, and those people will carry on using those insults against Luton unless the town changes. Uh, and when they were rallying against this, the council, they, they were pulling out figures of, uh, you know, business growth investment and stuff like this. And and that may be true, but those are not things that Joe Public gives two shits about. <laughs> they can't see those things. And so they may as well not exist. But if you put a state-of-the-art, brand-new, uh, 17,500 seat of stadium to start with, 17,000 seat of stadium in the center of town where there's been nothing but a toxic waste dump for 20 years. And you put a gateway uh, development on the M1, and both of those have a certain amount of leisure and retail that they people can go and enjoy. There's football and there'll be music uh, venue and there'll be shops and stuff. And people, that's what people can see and that's what people can go and do and enjoy and it's a more tangible thing to them now let me restate i don't have a problem with them fighting against this ridiculous new article what i have a problem with is at the same time that they were doing that councillors were in the council chamber making it harder and more ridiculous and it was an absolute farce. And so ultimately, it has just delayed it. But for God's sake, can everybody just get on the same page? And particularly those councillors that have the power to vote these things in or out, just understand that people want this. And you playing petty bureaucracy or party politics against these are, nobody cares. It just makes you look stupid. Get on with it. I think I think that's the thing, isn't it? I think the whole problem that Luton fans, Lutonians and everyone else has had with the council throughout this whole process is the lack of haste that they've had about all of this. And yes, you've got to um, make sure that all the paperwork's absolutely fine and all of this, that and the other. So there's no comeback on it. And we understood that. We were patient for that. But that is not the case here. You were told it was not relevant. You could have just literally gone with what you'd seen, forgot that the central Bedfordshire... Um, objection had ever existed you could have passed that there and then and yes in the grand scheme of things three weeks isn't a great deal of time but it is still three weeks and it is still the impression that you give out but and you know whilst this no longer is an issue with regards to the football club from a football fans point of view because they've got the money from the land that's going to go carry on with power court we are all Lutonians we have not just supported this because we're Luton fans we've supported this project because we are Lutonians we love Luton we want to see Luton improve we all have children. We want to see our children grow up in a place where they can be proud of where they live. They can prosper with where they live. And these delays, as minor as they be, they all add up. They're constantly an issue. So, yes, it's not going to delay Power Court, but it is going to delay the future of our town. And we do not like that. We do not want that. And we certainly don't want it when there is absolutely no need for it. So please, 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 councillors, please, on the 26th of January, 
get this thing passed. No more problems, no more issues. You've been recommended because the next time you guys meet is when there is going to be another one put forward with regards to the plans, the detailed plans of Power Corp. And that is the absolute essential thing. So let's get all of this Newlands mm. Park stuff out of the way so that we do not get any further delays to Power Corp down the line. And people will care more about that as well. So if they pull these same nonsense tricks, they will feel a lot more heat on it. Um, just it, it, it was just pathetic and uh, I'm just tired of it now. We're so close to to getting these things started and we just that we just need these final hurdles and then what everybody wants to see works starting on these sites that's what they want to see they want to be able to see it develop from the ground up and then people will start get to start to get excited because they believe me there are still those people out there go i'll never see a new newton town ground in my lifetime you will <laughs> yeah there are i live with one it's uh you know my old man keeps on doing my editing, but no, it will happen. But please, councillors, no more hurdles, no more sloppiness, more haste, less problems. James, it's been fantastic. Uh, thanks for keeping me company. Been the two of us, but I'm sure we've done a grand job. Um, thank you to everyone who's listened. Uh, we really hope you enjoy your football. There's a hell of a lot of it to come. And let's hope there's an awful lot of wins in there as well. Thanks again to Shazy. For giving us his time really appreciate it i appreciate it even more from him today because it was his day off and i interrupted that so um thanks very much to him thanks james thanks for everyone who's listening we will hopefully get a player on the podcast ahead of that birmingham city game that we've just spoken about and we will return in between the birmingham and west brom games but until then have a great month enjoy your football and uh, thanks for listening